Good morning. The last time I was up here, there were 10 people in the room. So this is a, an improvement. But you guys who are joining us online, I got you. Thanks for sticking with us online. Um, Eagle Kids started back up today, so feel free to come back anytime. We're ready to see you in person. But we know that the Lord who is with us is the same Lord who is present in all places at all times. Amen? Okay, so we have been talking about the kingdom of our hearts, and we've been settling into Proverbs 4.23, and I hope you guys have memorized this by now because we've heard it enough, but it says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And we've been challenged to reign and rule over the kingdoms that is our, that are, is our heart with diligence and intentionality, specifically being on the lookout for things like fear and hatred and despair, which can threaten to overwhelm our hearts. And when that happens, it essentially makes us ineffective for the kingdom of God. And all of this talk has led me to the book of Colossians, and it's what I've been processing over the last several weeks. Because you see, in his letter to the church of Colossae, the apostle Paul was writing to encourage the receivers about their new reality in Jesus Christ. They had once been far from God. They had come to faith and new life in Jesus but they were still surrounded by all the things that were threatening to overwhelm and take over their hearts. They still lived in and spent every day in a world that was out of harmony with God. They uh, enmeshed in idolatry. They were slaves to sin, hostile to God, and godless in action. And Paul's encouragement to them was that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has introduced a new type of humanity a new way of life that does not succumb to old and dead patterns of living. And that's where we're going to camp out this morning. What does it look like to be a new human being, a new kind of human? So turn with me to the book of Colossians. So this letter was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison in Rome. And Paul was a prolific church planter and was always traveling and writing to various churches to encourage those who had chosen the way of Jesus. Now, what I think is interesting about the church in Colossae is that Paul didn't plant it. He had never actually even been there. He had never met these people. But he had heard about their faith and the struggles they were having. And because he couldn't go and talk to them in person, he wrote this letter to encourage and instruct. Why? Because they were people who wanted to follow Jesus, who were trying to follow Jesus, but they were continually being bogged down by the realities of this world. They were caught in the tension of two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And Paul's encouragement to them was your reality, your truth, is that you are new human beings in Jesus Christ. Live like it. And that's the beauty of the Bible, you guys. It doesn't matter that Paul wrote this letter 2,000 years ago. Our realities have not changed. We live in that tension of two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world, which he calls the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God. And it is difficult. And that's why Paul's letter to the church in Colossae is so amazing, because he could literally be saying the same things to us. And because we don't have time to go through the entire letter together, I've compiled some excerpts from chapters 1 and 2 that we're going to read through. 
Because if Paul is telling us that we are new human beings and we need to live like it, then we should probably know where he's coming from. So my encouragement to you is to go back and read Colossians um, later on, because it's good stuff. So it's going to be on the screen, but this is a compilation of what Paul says in chapters 1 and 2. He says, For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son Jesus, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God. You were dead because your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I love this letter. Paul's structure is genius, and he doesn't mess around. He, he's, he's, this is what he says. Here's what God has done through Jesus. Here's who Jesus is. And now he's going to say, here's who you are because of Jesus. Here's how you should live. Before we can know how to live, we need to know what God has done for us. So what did we just read? He said that we have transferred kingdoms. We have transferred kingdoms. Now, I know that we live in a democracy of the people, by the people, for the people. It's going really well. <laughs> but our true reality is that of kingdoms. And there are really only two. There's the kingdom of this world dominated by sin, powers, principalities, things that we cannot see. This is what Paul calls the kingdom of darkness. And then we have the kingdom of God where Jesus is king. And we who have chosen the way of Christ have transferred kingdoms. We have moved from the kingdom of darkness and death to the kingdom of life. And out of the kingdom of this world and into the kingdom of this son, who we just read is supreme in all ways. Nothing has ever been or will ever be greater than Jesus. He is the firstborn of the new humanity. We know how to live because Jesus shows us how to live. He's the true king. He holds all creation together. And he's the one who has secured victory over all other kingdoms. That's where we live. This is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. That is who Jesus is. We have transferred kingdoms. But y'all, we don't live like it. I have two dogs, if you can throw a picture up there. Um... This is Gertrude and Marla. 
Gertie is the one on my left. Gertie's in the front. Marla's in the back. Gertrude and Marla. Gertie is um, a deeply sensitive, gentle beefcake. And Marla is a scrappy little dog who loves to start fights that she can't finish. They're, they're truly wonderful idiots. About a month ago, we were out for our daily walk, and I had noticed that Marla had stopped walking with us. And I had become distracted by Gertie for some reason. And in the two seconds that I had stopped looking at her, she had found something that was clearly dead and was rolling around in it with a look of euphoric glee. I was so genuinely horrified. I was horrified. It was disgusting. I got her attention. I got her off the ground and tried to get us walking again, all while explaining to the two of them that we are ladies and we do not roll around in dead things. When I realized again that the leash was taut and I turned around expecting Marla to be pulling in the other direction, I was dragging her. I was dragging her on the ground because she was trying so hard. She was fighting so hard against me to get back to that dead thing to roll around in it. Now, I understand that this behavior is some leftover instinct that has to do with disguising smell and being an apex predator. Okay, fine. The only thing that Marla has ever preyed upon is an unsuspecting Gertrude. The wolf life is not her reality. It has not been for literally thousands of years. But that instinct is still there deep down. And I explained all of this to her as I was giving her a bath. Um, as soon as we got home, and she was miserably looking up at me, waiting for it to be over, and I was like, sorry, buddy, we don't roll around in dead things. That's not how you live anymore. And to drive this illustration a little bit further, I know that a lot of you have been heavily involved in foster care and adoption in that world. How many conversations have you had to have that include the phrase, that's not how we do things in this house? That's not how we do things. Or what about those of you who grew up in complete and total dysfunction or abuse and made the decision that because you recognized unhealthy patterns in your family of origin, you decided that's not how I'm going to live. I'm not going to live like that anymore. There's a distinct decision being made that leads to a new and changed life. And it takes work, and it takes practice, and it takes recognizing old patterns and shutting them down when they creep up, because they do, they do creep up. Why would we think that life in the kingdom of God would be any different? We have transferred kingdoms. We don't live in the kingdom of darkness anymore. We don't live in the kingdom of sin. But those old habits, those old instincts still creep up. They don't just go away because where we live is different. We're still surrounded by the old kingdom. And we still get that desire to roll around in dead things. And that's what's happening in the church in Colossae. That is what Paul is addressing in this letter. This is happening every moment of our daily lives. We have changed kingdoms, but we still live in that tension of the old life and the new. But there's an answer. Remember, Paul's encouragement to us is to remind us that we are a new kind of human being in Jesus Christ, and now we need to live like it. So how? 
So if you have your Bibles, open to Colossians 3. It's going to be on the screen if you don't. That's fine. So Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1, he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's jump to verse 5. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Let's look at 7. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Jump to verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Paul tells us exactly what to do. He says, put off and put on. Listen to what Paul is saying here. He says, you have died to an old life and you have been raised to a new life in Christ. You are a new type of human being. Live like it. The whole book of Colossians is centered on this idea of being a new human being. This is what it looks like to live like you are alive in Christ. Put off that old life. We do not roll around in dead things. That's not how we live anymore. So he says, put to death, and it's not just a one and done kind of thing. It is put to death and keep putting to death these things. He says, sexual immorality, who you are and what you do matters now because you're a new human being. Your body matters. He says, put, put away impurity and lust. How you think about the body of another person matters because you're a new human being in Jesus Christ. He says, put away evil desires, put to death greed. And he calls greed worshiping the things of this world. How often do we get caught up worshiping the things of this world? Money, culture, dead things is what he's saying. He says, get rid of, keep getting rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, language that is not life-giving lying to one another. He says that life is dead. Put it off and keep putting it off. We have this mindset that sin makes us bad. Sin is doing bad things. I'm sinning because I'm doing bad things. Sin does not make us bad. Sin makes us dead. And that's the reality that we need in our life. The wages of sin is death. The payout of the kingdom of this world is death. Spiritual, eternal death. That is the definition of despair. 
The total and complete absence of hope. The total and complete absence of, of Christ. But you have been raised to new life in Christ. You have transferred kingdoms. We don't live like that anymore. And we need to start that, that mantra in our hearts and in our minds. I don't live like that anymore. I will put off anger. I will put off greed. I will put off fear. I will put off despair. I will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus because we do not roll around in dead things. Put off and put on. Paul doesn't just leave the message with putting things to death. He encourages us to replace what we have put off by putting on new things. And it's the same idea. You don't just put it on one time. You keep putting it on. He says, put on your new nature in Christ, who is first in all things. We have this picture of Jesus that he's weak and passive and soft. Jesus is king forever. Put on that new nature. He says, learn to know your creator and become like him. And that brings renewal. He says, clothe yourselves in tender-hearted mercy. Tender-heartedness is a heart that is soft and moldable and willing. And I have to ask myself the question all the time, why is my heart so hard right now? Why am I so unwilling? Why am I so unmotivated to do the things that are of Christ? Lord, give us, our, give us new hearts. He says, put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on gentleness. These things are not weakness. These things are love, serving, sacrificial love. He says, put on patience with joy. He says, accept the faults of others. Extend grace to others. Do you know how good it feels? I'm just speaking for myself. I'm sure other people can relate how good it feels to roll around in pettiness. Oof, I could be petty all day. He says, put that stuff off. Extend the same grace that you expect from other people to other people. Put off anger. Put off pettiness. Put off unforgiveness because you have been forgiven everything. Be gracious to one another. He says, clothe yourselves with love. I think too often we clothe ourselves with self-protection and defensiveness. And he says, put on love. That's how you put on life in the new kingdom. That's how you live as a new type of human being. And you keep doing it. The old nature creeps in. Those old instincts come up. You, you shut it down. You put it to death. That's clear language that he uses here. Put it to death. As soon as it creeps up, you begin to recognize old kingdom patterns of living as you continue to press in to life in the new kingdom. You put off and you put on. But guys, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes diligence. It takes sober-mindedness. We can't keep excusing flippant Christian living. We're a new kind of human being. We don't live like that anymore. Uh, Thomas Akempis, who was a Dutch priest in the late 1300s, early 1400s, wrote a famous 
book, a famous devotional called The Imitation of Christ. And in it, he says, Jesus today has many who love his kingdom, but few who carry his cross. Many who yearn for comfort, few who long for distress. Plenty of people he finds to share his banquet, but few to share his fast. Everyone desires to take part in his rejoicing, but few are willing to suffer for his sake. There are many that follow Jesus as far as the breaking of bread, but few as far as the cup of suffering. Many that revere his miracles, few that follow him to the indignity of the cross. I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be me. And I suspect you guys don't want that to be you either. The way is not easy, guys. It is a whole life commitment. It is a whole life of surrender. I'm reminded what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, the highway to hell is broad and its gate is very wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. The way is hard, but the one who has called you who has transferred you to his kingdom, is faithful. This is going to be a constant pursuit of knowing your creator, of becoming more like him, of being renewed. A constant battle to put off and to put on, to push through times that are discouraging and times that feel unfair and times that it would just be easier to still live like we were in the kingdom of darkness because it's gratifying immediately. The road is difficult. How could we ever think it would be easy? Do you think that the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, likes the fact that we have transferred kingdoms? If you were a king, just think with me now. If you were a king, would you like it if people left your kingdom for another kingdom? No way, because we're petty and numbers matter. We need all. We need all. We have transferred kingdoms and the kingdom of this world does not like it. How could we think that this is going to be easy? It takes work. It takes practice. And we keep going. If this matters, if we think that this matters, our, if our hearts matter, if our spiritual life matters, if our life in the kingdom matters, and based upon what we've read this morning from Colossians, I would say that it's everything. We have to come to terms with the fact that it is a daily battle of putting off and putting on every day, sometimes moment by moment. A daily battle of saying, I want to know Jesus more. I want to be more like him. I want to put on love. I want a heart that is soft and willing and moldable. I want to forgive. I want to live like a new kind of human. A daily battle of me saying, I will read my Bible more because that's how he reveals who he is to me. I will carve out time in my day to talk to him and to listen to what he has to say because his voice matters more than anything else. 
I will walk with my brothers and sisters in Christ because I want accountability and I need people in my life who will say, we don't live like that anymore. Not because they're judging me, not because they're being legalistic, but because they're walking with me and doing the same thing, putting off and putting on. More than anything, he who calls us is faithful and he is with us and his spirit is in us. We are not alone. He gives us grace He gives us power to keep putting things off and to keep putting things on, to be on that grind every day, to make our way down that narrow road. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of 2 Timothy, um, which is near his death, he knew his time on earth was coming to an end. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The fight is real. The prize is Jesus. And he is everything. That is why we put off and put on. I want to get to the end of my life, I want to stand before Jesus someday and I want to say, I fought the good fight of putting off and putting on and I finished the race. So we'll close with this. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. This is the peace that was secured by Jesus on the cross. This is the peace that made the kingdom of death obsolete. You have transferred kingdoms. The other kingdom will never be victorious. Every scheme, every maneuver, every trick in the book that the other kingdom has was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. The minute he walked out of that tomb, the game was over. The debt of sin that condemned us was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every power, every ruler, every authority, anything that could ever make claims on our lives was disarmed and put to shame by the cross of Jesus Christ. You have transferred kingdoms. That is the peace that can rule in your hearts. That is the peace that will help you in the fight to guard your heart. That is the peace that enables us to put off and to put on. The peace of Christ is our new reality. We are new human beings in him. Let's live like it. Let's live like it. What would the world look like if people who say they love Jesus lived like they love Jesus. Let's be those people. Let's do it together. I'm going to pray over you. Oh, Jesus. We acknowledge that you are king. You are a good king. 
We thank you for your power that is expressed through your death and resurrection that will be made totally whole and complete upon your return. We thank you that you have brought us into your kingdom, that our reality starts now and not at some future date. You are with us. You are in us. We're a new kind of human being now. I ask that you would give us soft hearts, hearts that are moldable, willing, bowing toward you. Help us to live life with you, in you, through you. We are grateful to the work that you have done, that nothing can separate us from your love. We are grateful for the peace that you have established that will never end. We ask that that would be present in our hearts, that that peace would reign and rule in our hearts as we continue in this fight to guard our hearts. We know that your victory is secure. Our life in you is secure. We love you. We are grateful for you. Go with us this day. Go with us this week as we walk out what it is to be a new kind of human being in you. We love you. We love you. And it's in your awesome name we pray. Amen.